Well, good morning. It's uh, great to see everybody. If we haven't met, it's weird following myself. That's just weird. And for my next trick, I'll juggle. No, I don't, um, uh, my name is Chris. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors here at, at PBCC. And today, uh, we're wrapping up a series that we've called Sailing Through the Storms of Life. And uh, we've been talking about how life just gets rough, how it just gets it's hard sometimes. And um, every time I think of storms, uh, I go back to this, this time where, where Kim and I were living on Sanibel Island, and um, I just feel so far from everybody. I'm just going to walk and talk. Is that okay? I just want to be close, close to you guys today. It's something I need. Let me touch. Okay, touch right there. Yeah. So, so here's the deal. So, ba-bam. So, so we're, we're living on this island. This is so much better up here. I should just sit here and deliver the message. Um, we're, we're living on this island. Uh, who's been to Sanibel? Anybody? Yeah, it's awesome. The shells are great. Um, the fishing is great, um, and I like to fish. And so um, my friend Dean, who uh, from school, decided to come down for a week and spend a week with us. And Dean likes to fish almost as much as I like to fish. And so the plan was, well, hey, we'll take Dean um, snook fishing. Does anybody like to fish for snook? Anybody? Yeah, they're just awesome. They're so fun. And so uh, there's a place on Sanibel called Bowman's Beach, and it's way up on the like the northern tip of the island. Now think about. Bowman's Beach, it's also the nude beach. That's not why we were going to go there, I promise. Trust me, if you've seen these people, you understand that's not a draw. And so, so uh, we're going to go fish there. We're going to go fish on Bowman's Beach, and you got to get there by boat. It's kind of rustic. It's hard to get to really get there um, by car or whatever. So, so the, the plan was we'll leave the dock. We'll go around the island, go up in the gulf, to the northern end to this, this spot, Bowman's Beach, snook, nude people, um, we're there for the fish. And so, uh, <laughs> so, so uh, we, we leave as planned. I'm going to treat Dean. He's going to have a great time. He's from Alabama. He never, you know, gets to fish like this. We get in our little boat, our little 17-foot boat, and uh, we begin to go north. We go out through the bay, then we go around the island, around the lighthouse, and then we're out in the gulf. And as soon as we get around the lighthouse, we see like way out there, I mean way out there, some really dark clouds. We see uh, the water is kind of being churned up, and there's white caps, and it's a, it's a storm. And they came through all the time. They come from the west, they go over the island, not a big deal, right? Unless you're in a little boat. <laughs> and I, I said to Dean, I, I knew we just had to get around the Gulf side, get up to the north end, we'd be okay. And I said to Dean, I think we can outrun it. It's not that I have a great memory. It was like 14 years ago. It's not that I have a great memory. It's just that uh, Dean has reminded me on several occasions it's that, that that's what I told him, that I, that I told him, I think we can outrun it. I think we got this thing beat. And you can guess what happened. And in a few minutes, we just start running. And in a few minutes, I mean, the storm that was way out there is just all around us. And what was a beautiful day, at least where we were, uh, now the waves were, were huge. Again, little boat. They started to crash in over the front of the boat. I had to slow down. The rain's like going sideways. It was, it was awful. And to make matters worse, the bilge pump, which is that thing that's supposed to like get the water out of the boat. I wasn't a great captain. The bilge pump hadn't been working for a long time. And I figured I never need it. When am I going to need this thing? Like that day, would I, I, would, I would have needed it right then, you know? So it didn't work. The, the boat is filling up with water from the rain, from the water coming in over the sides. 
So we've got this little hand pump, and so Dean is like pumping the water out. I can barely see in front of me. I know the beach is over here about a mile away, or about a mile off the beach. And I'm just trying to keep the thing going in the right direction because I know, I know that if we get around the edge of the island, if we get around the tip, we'll beat this storm, we'll, we'll be out of it, and we'll be okay. For whatever reason, Dean that morning decided to make a breakfast of grapefruit juice and like those little like powdered donuts. I know this because I, I, saw, I saw both of them twice. <laughs> it was really, really scary. We made it through. We got around, and it was beautiful, and it was sunny, and the storm was behind us. But man, the energy we were expending just to keep the thing afloat, the energy we were expending, and just the, just the nerves of just trying to keep the boat going in the right direction, going up the waves the right way so we wouldn't capsize. It was tough, and it made me think about my own life. And so many times in life, and maybe you guys have been here, where it feels like you're just wearing yourself out to keep things going. Have you ever felt like that? Like you're, you're running back and forth. You're wearing yourself out just to keep the plate spinning, just to keep this whole thing afloat. Anybody? I have felt that way before. Have you ever felt like, man, I just, I'm not even sure if we're going the right direction. Like, I'm not even sure if I'm making the right decisions. I'm not even sure if we're going the right direction for our life, for our family, for our career. You know, the two biggest things I, I hear, the two most common complaints I hear um, that I've heard over the last 20 years as a, as a pastor and as a counselor are, man, I'm just so worn out. I'm just so tired. And the, the question is, you know, um, I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure how to make this decision. I'm not sure um, what to do about my marriage, about my career. I'm not sure what to do about school. And if you're, if you're a Christ follower, you know, you make it spiritual and you go, I'm not sure what God wants me to do. You add that part there. I don't know what God wants me to do about my marriage or about school or about the kids. It just seems like life takes it out of us. And our decisions have to be great decisions. And, and life gets faster and faster and faster. When I was in college, um, I didn't have a whole lot of decisions to really make. It was like, what class will I sleep through today? What class will I go to? How will I trick Kim Etheridge into dating me? She's my wife now, so I, I learned a few things there. You know, my, my decisions didn't have a whole lot of impact past me. But then fast forward a few years, and I'm married, and then we have a child. And now my decisions affect our whole family and, and my kids' future. And life gets faster and faster and faster. Do you ever feel like the pace just gets out of control? Like there's so much to do, and now there's more money, more stuff, more obligations, more responsibilities than there ever have been before? Anybody? Just, just case in point um, about how fast and how to control everything is, Porsche just released a new model. It's a four-door. So really, it, it, track with me on this. The only reason that you, you would buy a Porsche, to me, that makes sense is because you want to go fast, right? You want to live on the edge. You want the thrill of speed. You want to risk. I think a four-door Porsche says, I want to share that risk with my little children, I think that's what it says. I think that's the message in a four-door Porsche. Life spins out of control. We get going faster and faster. Some of us, this is the way we read the 23rd Psalm. <laughs> the clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when exhausted. It leads me to deep depression. It hounds my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. Even though I run frantically from task to task, 
I will never get it all done, for my ideal is with me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines. My in-basket overflows. Surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. And amen. Does it feel like sometimes life gets out of control? Again, the two biggest things I think, the most common things I hear are, I'm so worn out, I'm so tired, and then I just need help with, with the direction, with this decision. Because of the implications, they, they're widespread. There's a lot at stake. And so the question is, what, what does God have to say What does David have to say as we look at the 23rd Psalm about those two big needs of our life, our need for rest and our needs for just direction, for better decisions, for better quality decisions in our life? Well, we're going to look at uh, the actual 23rd Psalm, the first three verses, and this this is what David says. Follow along with me. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And what's striking to me, and again, David lived about a thousand years before Christ, started as just a shepherd boy, and rose to prominence, became a king of the nation of Israel. And what's so striking to me is that David is saying, look, like any good shepherd, God is doing all of these things for me. God has to do these things for me. Sheep are incredibly inept animals. God is not doing us a favor. He's not paying us a compliment when he calls us sheep. Sheep need a shepherd, and David knew that. He says, God, you're the one. You're the one who's my shepherd. The reason I don't want is because of you. You make me lie down. You know, for a sheep uh, to lie down, they just won't do it on their own. They need a few conditions met. First, Uh, They need to be free of fear. They can't be afraid. They'll be up. They'll be looking around. They can't can't do that. They've got to be free of pests, of bugs, of flies. They can't be hungry. And David says, you know what? For my sheep to lie down, like, I've got to take care of them. I've got to give them medicine and medication and oil and balm for their wounds. I've got to get rid of the flies and the bugs. I've got to make sure they can eat and that they're well-fed. I've got to make sure there's no predators around. And God, that's what you do for me. You take care of me. You make sure that I'm free from fear. You've taken care of everything that would cause me to be afraid. David says, you you make me lie down. And then he has this phrase, in green pastures. And it's very, very interesting. And this is really key to where we're going today. You know that most of the places in, in the world where sheep are raised, they're dry and arid places. Palestine, where where David is is shepherding, Uh, there's not a lot of green pastures. They don't naturally occur. For there to be a green pasture, the shepherd has to go before the sheep and till up the ground and nurture the soil and irrigate the soil and create the pasture. And David is saying, oh God, that's what you do. That's how you act on my behalf because you love me so much. You've prepared a place for me. 
He says, you lead me beside still water, quiet water. Sheep are afraid to drink from rushing water. Again, not the brightest animals. You know, it scares them. And so the shepherd would dam off a section of water if there was running water. So it would get calm and still. And then the sheep would come and drink and drink deeply and be nourished. And David says, God, that's really who you are. That's your heart. That's your character. At your core, you are a shepherd who has provided for me. And so when you and I look, here we are in the 21st century, and we look at, okay, man, how can I find some rest? How can I find some direction? I think this is the message. I think this is what David would say to us this morning. He would say that God himself provides rest for us. He provides rest when you're weary and direction when you're lost. If you feel worn out this morning, you're in good company. Because David says, hey, God is like a shepherd who wants to give you rest. In fact, he's already gone ahead of you. He's already gone in front of you and prepared a place where you can lie down and rest. If you need direction, if you need to amp up your decisions today, you've got a decision to make. No worries. Because God has gone ahead of you. God has provided for you already a source of wisdom and, and to help you make that decision. So here, here's where we're going to land today. How can we experience God's rest and leadership. If God has gone before us, as David says, that's what he does. He makes those pastures. He makes us lie down. He leads us. Then how can we experience? First, uh, we need to let God refresh. I need to let God refresh and restore me by enjoying the gift of a day off each week. In the Bible, this is called a Sabbath. You see, David said, God, you, you, you create these green pastures. You make me lie down in green pastures. God has gone before us and provided something called a Sabbath, a day off. God has given us control over our calendar. That's his gift to us. Look at what he said in the Old Testament book of Exodus. He's talking to the nation of Israel. And he says, you've got six days each week for your ordinary work. By the way, to the Jews hearing this, ordinary work was not just what you did to earn income and provide for your family and all that stuff. It was like taking care of uh, your house doing your chores, taking care of your fields, taking care of your livestock. You've all got livestock. You know, what it, you know what it takes. All that stuff, all work. He says, you got six days. But, he goes on, but the seventh day must be a Sabbath day of, what's it say? Complete rest. A holy day dedicated to the Lord. You see, God is the good shepherd has gone before you and he's gone before me and he says, look, this is the way it works. The rhythm of life, the rhythm of life is six and one, right? God creates everything in six days. The seventh day takes a rest, not because he needs it, but to show us there's a rhythm to life. Six days on, one day off. That verse in Exodus goes on and he says, if anybody violates it, they should be put to death. Like I would love somebody to walk in my room and threaten me to take a nap. You know what I mean? Like, like, you take a nap or else, right? Part of the, you know you're an adult if you're tired. That's one of the hallmarks of being an adult. You're just tired, right? God has gone before us, given us control over our calendar, said, hey, look, this is the rhythm of life. Six days on, one day off. It's a gift. It's a gift. Now, my life and I know your life is this way too. It's incredibly busy. It's incredibly full. I spend my, my days, you know, my, my, two, my two time consumers here are 
loving and leading and serving my family, Kim and the kids, and then loving and leading and serving and trying to counsel and help and be a shepherd to you guys, that's like my life, and I wouldn't trade it. You know, I mean, that, that fills up my, my days. There's a pastor in Seattle named Mark Driscoll, and uh, he says this. He says, you know, uh, pastoring and having a family is so, is so busy, it's so time-consuming, that if you ever have a pastor who's really good at golf, you should fire them immediately. Because that takes a long time to get good at golf. And if you're good at golf, you are not being good at home or good at the church. And this is what I would tell you about me. If, if the only reason you would invite me to go play golf is if you want to hear a pastor cuss. That's really it. Because I'm not, I stink at golf. My time is taken up. But let me tell you what I've done. I don't have it all figured out. But probably about a decade ago, I took this verse seriously. And I said, okay, man, life is getting too much. It's getting too fast. It's getting too hectic. I want to show up well at home. I want to show up well at work. We're going to start taking advantage of that day. God gives us control of our calendar. He says, here's one day. Take it. And every week, man, Monday hits, I'm going to have a full schedule of counseling, a bunch of meetings. I hate meetings. <laughs> Especially if they're like budget meetings. Some of you like those kinds of meetings. And I look at the week and I go, man, this is going to be such a... It's going to be a really full week. But I know, I know that Saturday is coming. Saturday is the day that we take off at my house. And I know that's coming, and it revives me, and it encourages me because I know it's there. It's like an oasis. God says, hey, the rhythm of life, six and one. Six days on, take one day off. And when we take advantage of that, uh, it's like we're, we're choosing to rest. We open ourselves up to God's restoration. To God, the good shepherd himself, his restoration in our lives. When we take a day and and we do two things, really, primarily. First, I I rest my body. I don't do chores on my day off. Some of you, you have this day and you call it your day off. But if I were to follow you around, it's anything but a day off. Like you're cleaning the cars, you're cleaning the house, you're running the kids back and forth like 10 activities. There's no way that's a day off. You need a day off from your day off. My wife grew up in a, in a church in the South, in the Bible Belt, and like, so they made a big deal about Sunday being the day, like you should take off. But church would run you ragged. There were like 15 events on Sunday. You know, you were always at church. Like, how is that a day off? That's ridiculous. It's a day I rest my body. But secondly, I rest my mind. I think this is even more difficult than just resting from chores and tasks and errands. I rest my mind, and basically what we do is we say, okay, on this day, hey, you know what? I know tomorrow's coming, but I don't have control over that. I can't, I can't look into the future. Yesterday's already gone. Today, I'm going to rest my mind. I'm going to ease my worries. There's a great verse that, that I memorized a long time ago. It's a real short one, one of my favorite types of verses to memorize. It's short. Psalm 55:22. It just says, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. That's a great day off verse to go, okay, God, I'm giving you the concerns about bills, about my kids, about that, that, the leaky roof in the house, whatever, about, you know, about that brown spot in the yard. I'm not going to worry about it today. I'm going to give you those burdens and trust, and trust that you'll take care of me. And here's the deal. Having a break, taking that, that day off, it's all about trust. In fact, 
if you refuse to rest, if I refuse to rest, it may say less about my busyness and more about maybe I have a trust issue. Maybe I lack trust. Maybe it's not just that my schedule is so full and I've got so much stuff to do. Maybe it says more about my lack of trust in the shepherd, that he'll take care of those mountains that I'm worried about, even while I take a day off. That's God's gift to us. Here's a day. I'll take care of the things you're concerned about, your obligations, your responsibilities. Psalm 127, it's one of my favorites. It's kind of my life psalm because it talks about sons and it talks about God building the family and all that stuff. One of the things it says is, in vain you wake up early and stay up all night working, scrounging for food and for money. Don't you know that your heavenly Father works and provides rest, and even while you rest, he will meet your needs. When we take that day off, we're trusting, God, you've got it. I can take a break because you've got it. One of our biggest needs is rest, and God's gone ahead of us and given us control of our calendar, said, here's a day. Take it. Enjoy it. But the other question I hear all the time is, God, what do you want me to do about this? Or what, what should I do about it? How can I make this decision? God gives us control of our calendar. God also gives us a compass called the Bible. I need to let God lead me by reading and reflecting daily on the Bible. You'd be amazed at what this could do for the quality of your decisions. Look what the psalmist said in Psalm 119. He said, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. And when I open the Bible, I'm opening myself up to God's leadership in my life. There's no more direct route. There's no more quicker way. There's no more uh, quicker access to the wisdom of the one who made us than by opening up the pages of Scripture and reading. You don't have to understand it all. I've been studying this stuff for decades. I don't understand it all, but I understand enough. I understand enough. There are some incredibly clear passages of the Bible that tell me what God expects of me. And I think if we're honest, you open the Bible and you understand enough. Whether it's your iPad or, or like, you know, I, so many people uh, downloaded version, that, that great Bible app, incredible resource of BibleGateway.com, or maybe you're old school and you actually have a Bible with paper. But somehow, to avail ourselves to the compass, because David said, God, you lead me. You lead me beside still waters, the still deep nourishing water of God's word. It's like a compass to direct us. This is what the um, uh, 19th century abolitionist pastor uh, Henry Beecher said. He said, sink the Bible to the bottom of the ocean. Still, man's obligations to God would be unchanged. He'd have the same path to, to tread, only his lamp and his guide would be gone. The same voyage to make, but his chart and his compass would be overboard. See, the Bible is like a compass for us to point true north, to help us make better decisions. You don't have to understand at all. There's enough in there that you will understand. We open it up on a regular basis, and we read prayerfully. And we ask, what does this mean? What does this passage mean? Again, maybe it's on your phone or your iPad or whatever. Maybe it's the actual, the actual Bible and paper, and you go, what does this mean? God, Good shepherd, what, what is this passage telling me? And then we move on. The second step is we reflect 
we chew it over, we process, and we reflect prayerfully saying, God, what does this mean for me? What do you want me to do about this? And again, there's so much I don't understand. There's so much that you might not understand as you read, but you'll understand enough. I think of Mark Twain who said, uh, you know, it's not the passages of the Bible that, that I don't understand that bother me. It's the passages I do understand that bother me. Because he knew God wanted him to make an adjustment in his life. So maybe you're reading and you read that, you know, we're supposed to forgive those who hurt us, that sin against us. And you go, you know what? Maybe I need to forgive that guy at work. Maybe I need to forgive that neighbor for what they did or that family member. Or maybe you read that, that uh, husbands are supposed to love their wives. You go, okay, God, I guess I'm supposed to love my wife and, and cherish her. And, you know, I'm going to rub her feet today. <laughs> you know, I'm going to give her a back rub today with no expectations. That would be rare. I know. I know. Or maybe you're a wife and you read it and you go, oh, wives are supposed to respect their husbands. Okay, God, so I guess, I guess I'll, I'll say some things that will build my husband up. Today I'll tell him how much I appreciate what he does for our family, his role, his part of our family. I'm going to bake that man a cake. That would just be great. Does anybody bake anymore? I don't, you, know. you read and you go, how? How can I apply this into my life today? And before you know it, the quality of your decisions about how you go through your everyday life just get better. They just get amped up, and all of a sudden, you and I are enjoying the leadership of the good shepherd who said, David said, you lead me. You lead me in paths of righteousness. You know what that means? That means you lead me in uh, right decisions. You help me to make right, wise decisions for your namesake. In other words, you get positive press, God, because of how well I'm living. And I got to tell you guys, I, I got to tell you, I, I, was so, I was praying so much for today's service because I, I, I realized so many people over the last two decades that I spend time with and their, their lives are in a, a mess and I'm not saying my life is perfect. I've, I've gone through and, and I've made plenty of bad choices. But so many of the people that I've met in their life is just a train wreck. When I ask them, I'm, I'm not kidding, two simple questions. Well, what, what physically and, and like kind of mentally are you getting a break each week? Are you taking a day off? Is there a pause in your schedule? Like when do you slow down? When do you, when do you stand back? Oh, no, I, I just can't, you know, because of the kids. Well, I can't because of work, and I've got this, 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 and they, they list off their, their reasons and their rationale. It all makes sense to them. But that, that gift of a day is missing, and they're violating the rhythm of life. Six and one, six and one, six days on, one day off, circle the wagons, take a breath, pull back. And then I say, well, tell me about your time with God. You know, if they're, if they're Christians, I'll say, what's that like? Are you, are you reading the Bible every day? Are you praying? Are you talking to God? Are you, are you wondering how you can apply what, what the Bible says? I mean, the parts you understand, you know, can, are you doing that? Well, I try, but, you know, I've got this. And I got to, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of hit or miss. It's always the same. There's this glaring absence of taking advantage of the compass that God has given us 
and of controlling our own calendar, it always ends up in the same place. You know, the other day, um, all this rain we've had, I, I went to Publix, and I got out of the car. I couldn't find a parking place close, so I got out of the car, long walk in. I'm soaked. I'm, you know, I'm, and of course, Publix is a grocery store. I'm freezing once I get in there. I got all my groceries. I go all the way back on the parking lot, you know, soaked even more so. I get to the car. I open it up, and in the back seat, there's an umbrella. The Sabbath and the Bible, it's like God's umbrella. I think God would say to us today, open it. Open it. Use it. Take that day. Man, open, open, open my word. And listen, I'll say this to you. Maybe you're not a Christ follower here today. Yay. Man, that's awesome. You don't have to believe what I believe to benefit from just reading the Bible and saying, okay, I'll I'll try that. I would just ask you to try it. You'll understand enough that you can apply and see what happens in your life. But if you're refusing to rest, if you're refusing to open the Bible, it might say, if you're refusing to use the umbrella, it might say more about your lack of trust. It might say more about your ego. If you're not reading or reflecting, it might say that you've got an ego problem. You don't want anybody to tell you what to do. You don't, want to, you don't want to submit to some God that you can't see. And you can rationalize the Bible away. But it might be a trust issue. It might be an ego issue. And this is what I would say. This is so good. I wish I would have put it in your notes, but I didn't. So you might want to write it down. <laughs> rest. The rest that God wants to give you. Direction. The direction God wants to give you and he wants to give me. Only come out of an attitude of trust and submission. Man, that's good. I wish I would have written that down. Rest. God's rest. The rest that the good shepherd has for you. And direction. Man, it only comes out of an attitude of trust and submission. You see, the sheep learn very quickly that they can trust the shepherd And out of that trust, they experience his provision. And they learn very quickly to recognize his voice and to follow and go wherever he goes. And they submit to his leadership. You see, two of our biggest needs for, for rest when we're weary and direction when we're lost, God has already answered for us. He gave us control of our calendar. Take a day, six and one, take a day. He gave us a compass. Man, open the Bible. Just read a portion. What's it saying? What's it saying for me? And act on it. And we'll experience his rest. We'll experience his direction. Let's read our passage today together as we close. 23rd Psalm. Let's read this together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let's pray. Father, may it be so for us this morning. May it be so for us that we would capitalize, that we would open the umbrella and experience your rest for our minds, for our bodies one day a week. That we would open up and use the compass you've given us uh, through your word, the Bible. For those of us, you've never met the shepherd 
uh, you haven't come to that place of putting your faith in Christ, let me just invite you to do that. Um, you know, I did it when I, was, when I was 20. Changed everything. Total game changer for me. Maybe, maybe this is your day to make the same choice. You could say something like this. Jesus, uh, forgive me for where I've gone wrong. Forgive me for the choices I've made that have hurt people, that have hurt myself. Uh, from this moment on, I don't understand it all, but I'll just, I'll just put my trust in you just to, follow me a step, just to follow you a step at a time, a step at a time. Just lead me from this day forward. And God, for the rest of us, for, for, for just my friends, help us. Help us. Help us to take advantage of the rest you give and the compass that you lead us by. I thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.